Hello, and welcome to Create You, the personal growth and development podcast that will help you break through to better results in your life, work, and relationships. I'm your host, Jeremy Flagg, and thank you for joining me. What is it that makes some people wildly successful while others suffer in mediocrity? Why do people with similar skill levels and training perform so much differently? In this episode, we'll explore the number one success secret that people like Opal Winfrey, Bill Gates, Taylor Swift, and Jay-Z know, and how you can apply it to create your very own personal success story. If you've ever wondered why different people doing the exact same things can have such radically different results, and if you've wondered if success is really for everyone or just a select few of us, then listen to this episode for the secret that you've got to know. Hello, creators. Hey, it's your host, Jeremy Flagg, welcoming you back to another episode of Create You. Hey, I'm really happy to be with you here today. Hope you had a wonderful weekend, as did I. We're actually celebrating my daughter's 11th birthday today. How awesome is that? I can't believe they grow up so fast. Maybe you're surrounded by lots of change yourself, and we've got lots of changes going on here in the seasons, and we've got change going on in all of our locations, and you know, we're wrapping up to the end of the year. Doesn't it always feel like a like a sprint to the to the finish line when you get to November, like we're headed straight towards January 1st. Uh, I know that it could be a stressful time of year and a stressful season, uh, but today I want to talk to you about something that's lying beneath the surface of your own consciousness that's actually shaping your success, the secret force, if you will, that's shaping your success. Uh, a few years back, I was asked by a friend of mine, to come to his senior seminar class at uh, a local university. Uh, He's a professor there. And he asked me to come give a seminar to the seniors there that were graduating in the spring uh, and, and tell them, he tasked me with this. He said, if you were on the verge of graduating again, go back to that time in your life, and when you're on the verge of graduating again, what would you want to have heard then that you now know that might have given you an edge in life? What a great question. What a great setup. And uh, I was really thankful for the opportunity to get to do it. Um, So it turns out, uh, you know, I got to stand in front of this group of seniors at this uh, local university and uh, see those eager faces, you know, the students' faces, you know, they sitting and paying attention to the lecture like, uh, like good children should. <laughs> Not that we all did that really well, but these guys were so great. I mean, they're all in their early 20s. They're getting ready to go out and take on the world and, and, uh, and disrupt the norm and, you know, go out and make a living. And, you know, I, I had to stare them in the face and say, hey, listen, there's a couple things you might not know about life that you might need to know before you head out. And these are just a couple things that I really wish I would have known while I was in your position. Because here's a reality that you need to live in right now. There's a secret force that shapes your success. And it's shaping yours too, my friend who's listening. It's shaping your success as well. And when I say success, what am I talking about? It's the success that we define for ourselves. 
It's the target we're aiming at that we want to hit. Whenever we succeed at anything, it's because we've set a goal or we have a dream for ourselves or we have a potential we want to fulfill in our lives. We want to maximize it. We want to hit that target. We want to know we've done what we were capable of. So the first question you got to ask yourself is, what am I capable of? What are you capable of? Are you capable of success? Are you capable of hitting your mark? Are you capable of having the destiny that you really desire? Because I believe we all have the capacity to be successful, but not all of us live up to our true capacity. I mean, think about this. Is Bill Gates the best computer programmer that ever lived? Is he? I don't think so. I think there's probably a lot of computer programmers out there that may even be listening to me that would uh, say an amen to that as well. (laughs) But I can tell you what he is. He's a successful person. Why? It's not because he's the best programmer. Hmm. In fact, he didn't even make MS-DOS. He bought that program and turned it into a household product that he got onto computers that someone else made and got it into every house. Because he had a vision for where he wanted to go, and he wouldn't let anything stop him. What about Oprah Winfrey? Is she the best journalist that ever lived? Is she the best interviewer that's ever been on the planet? I mean, I'm sure we could all agree that there are probably better interviewers and better journalists. But uh, this media mogul thinks differently than those guys do. She thinks differently about her media empire and how it affects people. And she does it with a lot of heart, with a lot of soul. Hmm. I wonder what it is that keeps Bill Gates so successful and Oprah so successful. You know, what about Taylor Swift? Is she the only girl that, you know, knows how to write a song on a guitar and uh, sing it on the radio? (laughs) No. Is she even the best female artist of our time? No. But she is unique, and she thinks differently about where she's headed, and she's hitting her mark. But what makes her so successful and not the other female artists with guitars who sing great songs and write great songs? What is it about her? What is it about Jay-Z? Is he the best rapper that ever lived? I mean, contrary to his own lyrics that tell you so, he's probably not, right? Because let's face it, artistry is a matter of opinion right so there's there can't be an you know an unequivocal you know master of the art but he has mastered that art for himself and the success that he wanted he's also parlayed his success into a empire of other products and services that he offers the world that people are embracing with open arms but what makes him different is he is he the best kid from the ghetto that you know knows how to throw a line and and make a rhyme no way I'm sure there's tons of kids that can sling lines and make rhymes and, you know, have have great success in the hip-hop industry. But they would never be him because they all have an answer to a question that's very powerful that I need you to answer for yourself. And the question is this, who are you? Who are you? It's the answer to that question that separates their success from all of the other people that do what they do. Your answer to that question is shaping your own personal success. Like I told those students sitting in those chairs in that senior seminar class, when it's all said and done, 
you guys have all had very similar training. You're all going to walk away with a certificate that gives you the same degree of knowledge in the public space. But all of you in 20 years are going to have wildly different stories of where you ended up. It's not because you weren't trained the same. It's because you think differently about who you are. It's because you think differently about what you believe you are capable of. So when we're answering that question, who are you? Who am I? What I'm really talking about is my identity. I'm talking about that secret force that shapes my success. Because identity is not that conscious thing that you're thinking of, and it's definitely not the thing that you might want to grab uh, and change. When someone says, hey, I need to lose weight, they don't immediately think, oh, you know what, I need to examine my identity. But that's actually exactly where you need to go. Because let's face it, someone who believes that they're skinny is going to behave differently than someone who believes that they're fat. And at the end of the day, if I walk away with a core identity that believes that I am a fat person or that I am tending towards being overweight because of my genes or I have more and more excuses about the ways I believe about myself and my body type, even when I do lose weight and I do have mechanisms and exercises to get me there, it's going to be a struggle because I'm fighting against who I believe that I am. And the most powerful psychological force in the universe is to stay congruent with who you believe that you are. Because your identity is shaping your destiny. And what shapes your identity is your story. The stories that you believe about who you are, where you came from, and what you're capable of. And here's the truth. An unlimited identity helps us tap into an unlimited power. The truth is we all have the capacity to be successful. We all have the power to be successful in our lives, but not all of us will be because we all believe differently at the identity level about who we think we are. Identity is the set of beliefs and values and thoughts that I have about myself that define who I am, and they define who you are as well. They define what you believe about yourself. They define your limits and your capabilities. You know, if, if I believe that I'm a drug addict and I'm six months sober, is that going to be hard for me? Is it going to be hard for me to stay sober? The answer, of course, would be yes, because it's going to be a struggle against who I believe that I am. If I stand up every day and say, hi, I'm Jeremy and I'm an addict, and I'm staying sober for six months, and I want to have another day of sobriety, it doesn't give me much vision. All it gives me is another day to fight against who I believe that I am, which is someone who can't control themselves around a substance that makes, helps me to escape my reality. But what if I changed my reality? What if I changed my identity? I've seen it happen, haven't you? I've seen people in my life completely change who they thought they were in a moment. I've seen people quit, let's say, for instance, smoking on a dime without any help just because they made a decision that that's not who they were anymore. That's not who they wanted to be. And they changed it. They changed their success. They changed the force that shapes them in the direction that they were going. Because when you change your beliefs about yourself, when you change who you believe that you are, 
then you will absolutely change your life. You know, think of your thinking patterns and the beliefs about yourself and your identity like an iceberg. Only about 10% of the thoughts that you have consciously are happening at you know the level where you can actually attain them and think about them right now. So right now you're having around 10% of your thoughts are conscious level thoughts, which means that that's above the surface. I can identify them. I can see them. They're floating past me at around 100 words per minute. But beneath the level of conscious thought is subconscious thought, and that's what's driving my, my boat, right? That's what's the secret force that's shaping who I am. And it's those thoughts and those beliefs that are driving by me and flying by me in my thought patterns at 1,500 to 1,700 words per minute that are actually shaping the decisions and the behaviors and the actions that I'm taking every day. And it's at that level where our identity resides, And the reality of it is most of us are not conscious about who we think we are and how those beliefs may be limiting our power and our capacity to be successful at any given goal or any given dream that we're trying to make a reality. You know, there's a big difference. Let's let's talk about identity and how it works, you know. There's a big difference when I'm listening to someone between these three statements. See if you can identify the difference. Here's, Here's one. I feel stupid. Here's another variation. I'm acting stupid. And here's another variation. I am stupid. Do you hear the difference? One person feels stupid, which means that they might be emotionally embarrassed, humiliated. They made a mistake. Can they get over it? Absolutely. They can feel differently. You don't have to feel stupid for the rest of your life. You can feel something else, right? You can feel smart, for instance, to be completely on the opposite end. Uh, I'm acting stupid. Well, if I'm acting stupid, then I can act appropriately, right? I can act a different way. I'm not locking this up into the level of my identity. But when I say I am anything, when I say I am stupid, then I've locked it into my reality. I've locked it into who I believe that I am. And I'm engaging the most powerful force on the planet to bring about whatever it is that I'm going to say next. I am will follow you around and track you down. I am. Whatever comes next after those two words are the most very powerful words in your life that are shaping whether or not you're going to be successful and live the life of your dreams. Because it's the labels we give ourselves that come after I am that define our reality. You know, for a long time, I lived as the fat kid. I am fat was what came after my I am for a long time. And for a long time, I believed that fat people couldn't be successful. So for a long time, I let myself stay in the background and help people that were around me but only close to me. I would never have had this podcast many years ago because I thought I was fat, and because I was fat, I thought I couldn't be successful. Do you see how this rabbit hole goes down the drain? It was ruining my life, all because I had a single label that was helping to define my limit of the success that I that I was actually capable of but that I wouldn't allow myself to achieve because One of the most potent realities in your psychology is to stay congruent with who you believe that you are. If you believe that you are anything, then you will try to stay 
in alignment with who you believe that you are. Another way to say it is, if you anything that comes after I would never, right? Like if uh, I'll throw this out at a seminar, I'll say, um, say what comes the first, the first thing in your mind. Now, I would never blank. Fill in the blank. Go ahead, fill it in right now as you're listening to me. Fill it in out loud or just under your breath. I would never what? What would you never do? You know, some people blurt out, I would never murder anyone. Some people blurt out, I would never cheat on my spouse. Right? When, when something becomes a never and a must, then you're always going to stick with it. It kind of doesn't matter what circumstance you're in because it becomes part of your identity. I would never do that. Why not? Why wouldn't you ever do that, I might ask? And you might say to me, because it's just who I am. Because it's just who I am, Jeremy. And I would say, exactly. That's exactly what we're talking about. When we can attack changes in our habits and our behaviors and the success that we really want and the goals that we really want to achieve at the level of our identity, then all we have to do is act in alignment with who we now believe that we are. And when someone says, how did you become so successful? You can say, well, it's just who I am. I can't do anything else. It's who I am. Have you ever heard of the Pygmalion effect? It was an interesting study done by some researchers on some school children. And the basic gist of what they did is they took, uh, I believe it was fifth grade students. They took some fifth grade students in, in a single district from one school to another. So they took fifth grade students from one class that were behaviorally disordered in that, in that uh, setting and they gave them to a fifth grade teacher on the other side of town with this information. They told her, these kids are extremely gifted. They get bored easily when they're not challenged. And they, you know, they're, they need to be challenged to come up to a higher level because they're very gifted academically. And we want you to make sure that you treat them that way. So that's what happened on one side of town. And in that class, they took the gifted kids, took them to the other side of town, gave them to the other fifth grade teacher and said, you guessed it, these kids come from the other school and they cause a lot of trouble. They cause a lot of trouble in class. They're always disrupting it. They don't perform up to their, you know, they don't perform up to their levels, uh, their grade level, and you need to keep an eye on them because they might ruin your class. What this study found after just one semester was that the kids who were formerly labeled behaviorally disordered in one school, who had now been labeled gifted by the researchers to key in the teacher's expectations, had completely changed their lives. The teacher's expectations of them changed their own performance, and these kids rated an average of 35% higher on their IQ tests at the end of one semester. On the other side of town, where we took the kids who were actually performing above grade level and doing well in their studies, and we changed the expectation of their teacher to believe that they were problem children, had turned into what? They had turned into problems. Disruptive in class, not living up to their potential, rating down in their academics after just one semester. 
Isn't that interesting? The Pygmalion effect is basically that when you change the expectations of the teachers, then you change the performance of the students. I've seen it happen in my own life as a teacher myself. I changed the expectations I had on my own students, and I watched them come up to a higher level than they had ever performed. I also, because I changed the expectations of my students, you know, brought up some difficult things in some of my students. I remember one student particularly who came in with his father after school one day, and uh, I had this I had this young man on my soccer team, so he enjoyed my company. It wasn't like he hated me or anything. But in my science class, he was not doing well. And uh, it, you know, it was a struggle for him to do well uh, in almost any of the subjects that we covered. And I was always trying to help him out, but I mean, I, you know, there's only so much I could help him with, uh, at least I thought at the time. Now I know much better, so gosh, I would have been so much, so much of a better teacher back then. But, uh, you know, his dad came with him and they came after school to have a meeting with me to talk about how he was doing in my class. And what I found out in this meeting was that he had a severely limiting device on his capability in his identity that was given to him by a former science teacher. The man who taught this child before me got mad at him one day when he didn't know an answer threw an eraser at him and said, why are you so stupid? Can you feel that? I can actually feel it when I said it out loud. Can you feel that? You can feel it rushing down your throat into your chest because it hurts when you curse someone like that. When you speak negative words over someone, there's power of life and death in our words when you speak those words and you believe them and you don't resist them, then they become limiting facets of your identity that keep you away from the capabilities that you have within you. And so I looked at this young man and his father and I said, oh my goodness, I had no idea. And I just want to apologize to you on behalf of all teachers everywhere, but especially in your life, that should never have ever spoken anything like that over your life. And I just want to tell you right now that you have the opportunity and the capability to become whatever student you want. And I'm here to help you. What help do you need? You know, and it took him a while. It took him like, you know, five months to kind of grow out of that label with me because it was specifically in science class. But, you know, I watched him make the shift. And it was glorious to watch him change the way he believed about himself. Today, Today, that, that, that young man grew up into a very successful man and runs his own business with 15 employees, does a great job and has created jobs for our community. Couldn't be prouder of him. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure a lot of what he has to do has to do with science. <laughs> but I can tell you this, I saw him rise above that limitation and change the direction of his life. So here's the question I have for you. Who are you? Who are you really? At the deepest core of who you are, how do you define yourself? Who do you feel certain that you are? What are those emotions that you feel on a daily basis? What are the roles that you would attach to yourself? Are you a mom, a dad, a teacher? I mean, what are the occupations that you attach to yourself? Some people would say, well, I am a doctor. I am a lawyer, right? They might say those things. What about metaphors, right? 
different metaphors can be the way I define myself. If I say I'm the king of the hill, then uh, what does that mean? <laughs> it means I, I feel successful, that I can conquer some things. But if I say I'm, I'm down and out, what does that mean? It means that exactly what it says, right? I'm hard on my luck. I'm having trouble getting over. I can't find the success that I need. You know, what if I define myself based on past feedback, like our young man did in the story of uh, my science class? You know, what if he says, what if somebody says I'm worthless? What does that mean? It means that they don't feel worthy or deserving of the love and the respect and the success that they deserve. I mean, what if someone says I'm special? What if someone grows up with that label? Then that person's going to have a much different future than the person who says I'm worthless. Wouldn't you agree? If you grow up saying I'm special, then you're going to continually look look for ways that you are unique in the world around you. You know, what about your religious beliefs? You might say I'm Jewish. You might say I'm Muslim. You might say I'm Christian. Those might be the ways that you define yourself. And how might those change the way that your success looks and the way your life is defined? What about your physical looks, right? We already talked about my own struggles with being fat, but what about I'm young or I'm old or I'm ugly or I'm beautiful? Those are all labels we give ourselves as well. You know, what about my accomplishments? What if I see myself as my accomplishments, my performances? You know, I am a prize-winning author. You know, what if I am a homecoming queen? (laughs) I'm just being silly, but the point is if we define ourselves by our accomplishments, then we might have a vacuous need in our identity to always be accomplishing something next or getting recognition from the people around us to make us feel validated. What about, what if we define ourselves by what we're not? You know, I'm not like my parents. I'm not like that teacher told me I was. The problem with that, of course, is that your brain only sees what you focus on, doesn't see the big red circle with the X through it, and you end up becoming what you focus on. Those are dangerous subconscious thoughts to have as well. So who are you is the question. Who are you? Because how you define yourself is going to shape the success that you are having right now and into your future. It's who you feel certain that you are, and it's the way you define all the blanks that come after I am in this moment and the moments coming in your life that are going to shape the success that you're having. Now, if I've never told you this story before, I've, I tell it live a lot uh, when, I, when I get to speak to uh, crowds, and I just love the defining moment story of Mother Teresa. Now, you know Mother Teresa as, you know, the woman who took a vow of poverty to help, um, you know, a bunch of um, infirm patients in India have dignity at the end of their lives. Uh, It also helped the poor uh, in their caste system in India, places where, you know, they wouldn't actually get any help if it weren't for the aid of outsiders. And I need you to know something about Mother Teresa. It's very interesting. When I found out, it's, you know, really changed the way I viewed her. But she didn't actually go to India for that reason. She went to India to teach in private education, in private institutions. So she was actually a teacher in what would be considered some of the more uh, well-off parts of town uh, or for some of the most well-off, you know, 
uh, citizens of India. And she was a teacher there, and she saw lots of difficult things while she was there. And one of the most difficult things that she saw happened one evening after she left school late. She came out to the front steps of the school, and she saw this man who was dying. I mean, he was just physically incapable of continuing to walk, and he had come to the steps of the school hoping for some help. And so she, you know, helped him to the hospital, and the hospital turned him away because he didn't have the insurance, the money, you know, whatever it is that they needed to take care of him. They turned him away because of his status in their society. And she was very troubled by it, and she took him to two more hospitals to try to get him the help that he needed. And she could not get anyone to give him any medical attention. Not knowing what to do and realizing that he was pretty much at the end of his rope, she took him back to her own place where he would die in peace in her arms. And she really had an internal struggle with what was happening, you know. Once he passed and she had seen this all happen and had this experience, she really began to start to feel something inside her shift. She didn't know how to think about it, so uh, she took a bus ride outside of the city, a nice long one, so she could think and get away from her you know, experience and give herself some space and think about what had just happened. And she left, took a bus ride, thought about what is going on, and she made a vow to herself on that bus ride that she would no longer be known as the teacher of the privileged, but that she now wanted to help those who did not have the means to help themselves. And she wanted to help those who were medically um, incapable of continuing to survive. And if they couldn't help them medically, then she wanted them to die with dignity, knowing that they were loved and in an environment of peace. What a powerful, powerful shift in her identity. And it was with that powerful shift in her identity that she completely changed the world. You know, you have that in you too. You can change the world. You can change what it is that your world looks like today and into the future. You can absolutely make your dreams come true. You can fulfill your potential and you can lead an extraordinary life. I want to ask you this question because this is going to help you get there. It's going to help you make that shift. Here it is. In order to achieve all you desire, who would you have to become? This is a challenge. It's a challenge to you. In order to achieve all you desire, all you want to create and be in this life, who would you have to become? Think about that for a second. What goal is it that you've been thinking of achieving right now? What We're already probably thinking about next year. I know I am. I would like you to start thinking about 2016 as well. What is it that you really want to achieve? What is it that you really want done? You know, you're going to wish, I believe it was Karen Lamb, author Karen Lamb, who said, 
a year from now, you'll wish you had, would have started today. It's a powerful quote because a lot of us know the sting of the regret of not disciplining, disciplining ourselves to move forward on the goals that we really want. So I'm asking you to think about that goal right now. What are those goals? What's that number one goal you have for yourself right now that you really want to achieve in this year, maybe in the next 90 days even? And what is it that you're going to have? Who is it that you're going to have to become? Who is that person that you need to become? You know, when, when I was, uh, you know, just married to Lisa for a few years, I already had begun to think about the father I wanted to become. Because I knew I wanted my children to have the life I did not have. I wanted them to have that super stable foundational home that allowed them the opportunity to think about themselves differently, to think so successfully about themselves before they ever left my presence that they had no choice but to become successful because it was the alignment of their identity. And I knew that I would have to make changes in myself to make that happen. I knew I had to become better in order to be the father that I never had. I had to become someone else. And I did that because I wanted to achieve that family that was so burning in my heart to achieve. So what is that desire in your heart? What is that goal? What is that thing that you want to have? Now I want you to become that person. Think about who you would have to become in order to make that possible. And instead of pushing it off to a future time when you might become that person, I want you to become it now. I want you to become that person now. I want you to start thinking. I want you to start behaving as the person that you want to be. Because when you start thinking and behaving and vibrating with the emotions of the person that you want to be and the person that has to become in order to achieve that desire and that goal, then and only then will you achieve what it is that you're looking for. Because life is an attraction game. And the energy that you put out is what you're going to get in return. So if you become something different, then you will attract something different in your life and you will have different success. You will have better success. Start thinking and start behaving as the person you want to be right now and you will see things happen in your life because what I've shared with you today is true, my friends. The force, the secret force that shapes your destiny, that shapes your success is no longer a secret to you. It's your identity. It's who you believe that you are from the inside out. It's what you're capable of from the inside out. Because when you change your identity, you change your life. So when you expand your identity, you expand your life. So I want you to imagine what it would be like right now if you expanded your identity. If you expanded the way you think about yourself and the way you think about what you're able to achieve, the person that you are, those labels that you've defined yourself with, the I am statements that you have, even on the top of your mind right now, all the I am statements are floating, but it's those ones that aren't even top of mind that are still steering your ship. I want you to think about those. I want you to write them down when you get a chance. I want you to give yourself the opportunity to put it on paper and examine it. 
and see if it's actually helping you or hindering you because those things that are hindering you need to be replaced right away. I need you to replace those so you can become the person that you want to become to achieve the success that you want to achieve because the secret force that shapes your success is your identity. And when you expand your identity, you'll expand your success. And that's what I want for you. I want you to have everything that it is that you want to achieve and everything that you desire in your life. And the only way you can have that is by changing who you believe that you are and aligning it with the destiny and the destination where you want to go. Wow, that was a heck of an episode. I hope you enjoyed it uh, almost as much as those senior seminar kids did a couple years ago uh, because they really enjoyed it as well. And why? I hope you enjoyed it for the same reasons they did Uh, because I told them the truth. The truth is it's not just your training and your mechanics and, uh, you know, all those how-to processes that you learned that are going to set you apart. It's how you think about yourself and what you're capable of that's going to dictate what you're going to achieve in this lifetime. And I know that you're like me, and I know that you want to fulfill and maximize all the potential that you have inside of you. And I know that you want to lead an extraordinary life full of success, full of peace and love, and it's available to you. All you have to do is become the person who has that life, and you will have that life, my friends. Wow. What a beautiful way to end this episode. I know that you're going to be thinking right now, you already are thinking about all the ways that you am, right? (laughs) And all those things that come after it. So give yourself an opportunity today, sometime to write them down. And, uh, you know, I think I'd like to end this episode with one of my favorite quotes about identity from the great Oprah Winfrey, who I mentioned earlier in this episode. And she says this, it's so powerful. You need to pay attention. She says this. Whatever comes after I am will do its best to find you. What an awesome quote. I'm going to say it again. Whatever comes after I am will do its best to find you. So remember, friends, that the secret force that shapes your success is not a secret to you any longer. It's your identity. And whatever you believe yourself to be is what will be attracted to you. And will help to help you succeed, you must help yourself by making sure that you're shaping your own success by shaping and expanding your own identity. Hey, just to give you a heads up, I talked a lot more about how identity is shaped in my book, uh, Your Best is Next, and how you can fulfill your true potential, lead an extraordinary life. I would love for you to have a copy of it. I'll include a link to it here in the show notes uh, so you can get a copy or two for you and maybe give one away here in the season of giving. And I uh, also wanted to let you know if you enjoyed this podcast to go ahead and leave me a, uh, a review here in the iTunes store. It helps elevate the status of the show and get this message in front of so many more people like you who want to you know, lead their best life and create something great and make a mark. And I know that uh, you want to elevate the status for the show. So I just want to thank you in advance for uh, leaving and rating uh, a rating and a review in this show for me. And I appreciate it very, very much. And uh, I just want you to have a breakthrough day. Don't forget to have a breakthrough day. I just think you want to, you want to examine that identity today. Just write those things down 
and uh, examine what it is that you think is helping you to succeed or might be holding you back and then replace them. And if you want some help with it, go ahead and get my book, Your Best is Next. Hey, have a breakthrough day, friends. I will talk to you again on Thursday. Thanks for listening. For more tips about how to create the life, work, and relationship you love, just head over to jeremyflag.com where you'll find lots of free resources and notes from this episode. And don't forget to share your comments with me. I'd love to hear your voice. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review for me in the iTunes store. If you're listening on Apple's podcast app, just click anywhere on the show artwork to reveal the show notes and click the link that says, please rate and review the show in iTunes. Your feedback is appreciated. If you'd like to continue the conversation, then please like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter and be sure to use the hashtag CreateU. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for joining me today on Create You, and be sure to check in with me on Thursday when I'll be back with another life-changing episode. You won't want to miss it, so be sure to subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud to get free delivery of every show. Until next time, this has been Jeremy Flat, reminding you that you are a creator. You don't need to react to life as it happens to you because you have the power within you to create the life you love today. Now go and create you.